0: You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. The Gospel of Mark. It is about the arrival of a kingdom. A kingdom Inaugurated by Jesus. This is a kingdom that's characterized by the self-giving love of Jesus. Characterized by the extravagant mercy of Jesus. We must not forget though, however, when you're dealing with a kingdom, we're also dealing with authority here too. What's a kingdom without a king? There's there's authority. And the religious power players that Jesus was dealing with in Scripture today that we're going to be talking about, well, the people who oppose Jesus, they understand this. They understand that Jesus is saying that He is their king. They don't like that. They like things the way they are. They don't want them to be their king. So, they began to question him then. Whose authority are you doing this? Who said you could do this? On whose authority are you doing this? Thing is, the answer they get is not the answer they want. And it's the same question for us too question as we seek to hear the lessons in scriptures today this morning as whether or not we want to hear this answer by what authority does Jesus do this I mean the answer Mark gives us in the gospels is clear Jesus authority embodies the authority of God so that's the bottom line that we're talking about today If Jesus embodies the authority of God, then He deserves our complete surrender, our complete allegiance. Think about it. If Jesus embodies the power of God, the Word of God, the authority of God, then He deserves that. Absolutely. See, we looked at Scripture today. A little context for you. You know, we have been talking about this past week about how Jesus had just gotten to the t- Jerusalem, to the temple. You know, rode the, rode the donkey in. And, and, um, and next thing you know, what's he doing? He's throwing over tables. Calling him a bunch of thieves, a bunch of robbers. Completely disrupting the temple. Only God has the authority to do that. So, I mean, you can picture this, right? At least I can in my head. You know, the previous day, Jesus was creating a scene. So the next day, they see Him coming up, you know, and when they talk about the temple, if you read any of the ancient writings, you know, they, it's about how grand and, and glorious and beautiful the temple was. So you see Jesus walking up, and then who was looking out the window or something, I guess? I don't know, the chief priest, maybe somebody? Like, oh, here He comes, here He comes. So they go and meet Him. Because they want to know right then and there. Whose authority are you doing this on? Here's what Scripture says. They arrived in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priest, the teachers of the law, the elders, folks in charge there, they all came to Him. Whose authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? So he responds, and what's going on here actually is kind of what's called an honor challenge back then in the ancient days whenever they would, uh, I'm, I'm doing this very loosely by the way, whenever they would have a debate or, or they would ask questions, tit for tat kind of, you know, and, and, and whoever answered more properly got more honor, and you would try to get more honor than the other person. So think about this as we're talking about the scriptures today, because it is a lot of text to go through, so we're going to be cruising over it a little bit, right, and uh, so kind of hold on today. Um, But they asked him, who gives you this authority? So he answers in the best way possible, in the way that only God can, in my opinion. Well, I'll answer your question if you answer mine, right? John's baptism, was that from heaven? Or was it from human nature? And scripture tells us, you can kind of feel the tension here, by the way. Because at this point, these were all the elders and the scribes and the chief priests. I'm sure there were tons of people around because they were all wanting to see this and hear this. So he says, heaven or human? And he knew he had them. Because if he says from heaven, they even say the next thing he's going to do is, well, why didn't y'all believe John? Human, don't forget the crowds were there. And they only thought of John as a prophet. And so they weren't gonna go with that either. They knew they would be in trouble. So what, what did the guys do? They go, Oh, let's give no answer. We don't know Jesus. So what does he do? Right back at you. If you're not going to answer mine, I'm not gonna answer yours. But then he goes to tell them a story, a parable. And this is where I think it's amazing because Jesus is dealing with the teachers of the law in the temple. They know Scripture. That's their job. Okay? And so this next parable that he tells them is actually, um, it alludes to another one in, in Psalms about the vineyard. So these guys knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was talking to them in front of everybody. And this is what he told them. And you can kind of think about the look that Jesus was probably giving them. He's like, you're not going to answer mine, I'm not going to answer yours. As a matter of fact, I've got a story for you. Listen, a man planted a vineyard. God planted the vineyard, vineyard being Israel. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Jesus tells them, then he sent another servant. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. Yet he sends another servant. And that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. Now I think at this moment... I'd like to think Jesus just gives them that 1,000-yard stare. Just where he can peer deep inside their soul. And he says this to them because he knows what's about to happen. And he says he had one left to send, a son. You know, he's talking about them, him. A son whom he loved. And he sent him last of all saying that they will respect my son. And I wonder if Jesus leaned in a little bit, you know. But then, the tenants said this to one another. This is is the heir. Come, let's kill him. And the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do, he asked them he'll come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read the scripture before? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? That's Jesus? And the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. I mean, really, it's kind of one of those like, "Hmm, what you got on that? And immediately, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders looked for a way to arrest him. Because they knew that he had spoken this parable against them. They were afraid of the crowd, right? So they left him and went away. See, in this parable, it's not really a, it's not a sermon illustration or anything like that. It's just Jesus telling them who he is and whose authority that he speaks. The son and the parable comes On the Father's authority. That's what Jesus is telling him. I am coming on the authority of God, of the Father. Jesus embodies the authority of God. And again, if Jesus embodies the authority of God, then that deserves, requires, our complete submission, surrender, allegiance. Next up, because he's dealing with these power players here, right? That was the temple, uh, the priests and the rabbis and the scribes. They were the moderates of the time, okay? Now he's coming up against the other power players in Scripture, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians. And you, and you need to understand something here too, folks, because the, the Pharisees, all right. If, if the temple folks were the moderates, then the Pharisees, well, they were the real conservative ones, okay? The purists. And the Herodians, well, they were, how would you say it, compromised, right? Now here's the funny the, the part that sticks out to me, though. These two groups did not like each other and did not get along at all. But here they are, united against two. Jesus. They know whose authority he speaks, and they don't like that answer. So here's what they said to him. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, I like this too because they kind of butter him up a little bit. Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to To who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Right? Now this isn't some sermon on whether you should pay your taxes or not. Okay? This is what Jesus has to say about stuff. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? Because with the crowds, the groups there, you know, you have the Romans sitting there going, <laughs> is he about to say we're not going to give Caesar his money? Because That's a big no-no in ancient times. Then you have the other group going, well, we should pay it, shouldn't we? I mean, well, we don't want to. That's the Romans taking over Israel. You know, we don't want to be part of that either. So he says, why are y'all trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius, one of their coins, and let me look at it. And he brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them this, and I actually think this is one of the most profound statements in all the Bible. Well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. They were amazed at this, it says. Because if we're going to submit to the authority of God through Jesus, do you think God cares about this table? Do you think He cares about these chairs, this stuff in this building? No. He cares about our souls, about our hearts, whether or not we are surrendered completely and utterly Unconditionally to Jesus. Give to God what is God's. Like the comedian George Carlin says, the rest is just stuff, right? Are we actually obeying Jesus? Now, the next one the marriage at the resurrection. This one was by the Sadducees. They were, you already had the moderates, the conservatives, the compromisers. These guys were compromised, but they were more of the liberal group. And this is what they had to say. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. And this is one of those, to me, silly questions. I know it's not, but it just reminds me of one of those things like, if you've ever seen on Facebook or social media, you know, it's like, or if you have three bananas, a set of tennis shoes, and an orange, it equals forty-three. You know, so what is this other number? It kind of goes along with that. It's 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 a loaded question, is what I'm saying. So here he goes. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers, right? See what they're doing? The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. And last of all, the woman died too. So at the resurrection, whose life will she be? Since all seven were married to her. And then Jesus replied, <laughs> in the most God way possible. I mean, seriously, he looked at him and goes, are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? You study the Sadducees. Which one is it? I mean, because obviously you don't know Scripture. Right? So which one is it do you not know? Scripture or the power of God? Right? Because here's what he says. When the dead rises, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, about the dead rising. Have you not read the book of Moses? The account of the burning bush? God said to them, you know, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. You were badly mistaken, he says. So what do we do with this claim? What do we do with the claim that Jesus embodies the authority of God. Do we submit to the authority of God in Christ? Do we actually give to God what is God's? Some of it. What does that look like when we do that? When we actually submit and surrender not just part of us, all of us, to Jesus? What happens when we actually obey Jesus? Maybe you start having a little bit more peace in your life, or love, or joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Start experiencing some of the fruits of the Spirit. What about when we submit to the authority of Scripture? Because faith, true faith, well this is what it looks like. The complete and utter surrender to Jesus Christ. The reign and rule of Jesus Christ in our lives. So when we doubt, which one is it? Do we not know Scripture? Do we not know what Jesus actually says about these things? Do we not believe in the power of God? See, we live in a society that runs from authority. Any chance we get... And the heart of this, the heart of the gospel, the soul heart of God, fully God, fully man, coming here with us, persecuted, beaten, flogged. Just in a few days, they'll make a, a crown of thorns, put it on his head. they will do that to God crucify him, one of the most heinous deaths that you could possibly imagine to our Lord and Savior. The heart of that, the resurrection, of being reconciled with God, the heart of this gospel is about the authority of Jesus. So again the bottom line is this, the reign and rule of Jesus Christ in our lives, the kingdom of God, God, Jesus embodies the authority of God, He deserves our submission, He deserves our complete allegiance, He deserves the complete surrender of our lives. Knowing that I'm not in control. But you know what? That's all right. God is. And I will submit and surrender to Him my whole life. So what are we going to do? We're going to submit and surrender.